glory. How many know we're looking forward to that glory land? Praise God tonight. If you got your Bibles, if you'll stand with me tonight in honor of God's Word, we're going to turn to the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, the book of Ephesians, the second chapter. I'll be reading for my text tonight. Verse 1 through 6, Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. We want to continue on our series on becoming what you believe tonight. Join us in the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 1. Shout yes when you turn to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. If you don't have your Bibles up on the screen behind me, and if you need a Bible, we'll gladly... Make sure you have a Bible in your home. The word of the Lord, Ephesians 2 and 1. The Apostle Paul says, And you hath he quickened, praise the Lord, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirits, I may know that there's a, there's a spirit that works in the children of disobedience. Just like there's a spirit that works in the children of obedience. Amen. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Oh, but God. Somebody say, but God. Oh, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. And by grace... Ye are saved. And verse 6 says, And he hath raised us up together. Everybody say together. He hath raised us up together. He has made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. I want to continue tonight on our series, Becoming What You Believe. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Amen. We're thankful to have the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Can we give the Lord another hand clap of praise for his word? Amen. In honor of his word. I mean, no, we got to become what we believe. We must become what we believe. Amen. It is the goal of the church uh, to not just become what we believe, but to teach others to become what we believe. And you know, when, when people first come to the church, Sister Donna, people first become a child of God, people first begin on their journey to walk with God, one of the greatest challenges, one of the hardest things for them uh, to do and to learn is to retrain them not to think and not to operate and not to act as and according to the world does. Huh? Uh, it's, it's 
all peaches and cream to come to the house of God and to fill the spirit of the Lord, Brother Joe. But when it comes to changing our operating system, sometimes it ain't as fun. And it's one of the greatest challenges and one of the greatest duties and one of the greatest responsibilities of the church today is for us to learn to not operate under the regulations of the old man. Amen. And sometimes that is not always as easy as just coming to church. Amen. There has to be a change. There has to be a change not just in the physical. There has to be a change in the mind. There has to be a change in the way we think. Uh, There has to be a change in what we support and what we get behind. Amen. Um, and listen, it, it only took one night to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the children of Israel. And, and changing our operating system and changing the way we think is not always the easiest thing to do. Amen. And let me tell you something. Your flesh is going to oppose it. Your worldly friends, your worldly family, your worldly co-workers, the secular world itself is going to oppose your new operating system. Amen. Because um, it's spiritually discerned, the Bible says. And and it's not always easy for the world to understand why why we are faithful to the things that we are faithful to. And why we support the things that we support. And why we live by the things uh, that we live by. Why are we, why are we faithful? Why is, church to, why is living for God, faithful church attendance, supporting the work of the Lord, why is it the number one thing in our life? Because we must continually be trained. And we must maintain the right thinking. Amen. And we must become what we believe. Amen. We must become what we believe. Amen. It only took one night to get uh, Israel out. Moses was effective in doing that. Um, But once that one night was over, the murmuring began. Come on. How many know first time we fall down at an altar or prayer or first time we pray through in the Holy Ghost, man, there's a whole bunch of joy. There's a whole bunch of excitement, Brother Paul. I mean, I, I remember when the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost. It was the greatest day of my life. I was going to take this world by storm. I was going to win every soul I ever met. The Lord was going to use me mightily. But let me tell you something. It don't take long for the murmuring to start. It don't take long for the newness to wear off. huh? And let me tell you something. If we don't change our operating system, you can't live in the church and think like the world. Oh, you can't live in the church and think like the world. You got to change your operating system. You got to change your mindset. You got to change what you support and what you get behind. Amen. And the truth of the matter is, There's always been a a, a war between the flesh and the spirit. And there always will be a war between, uh, Brother David, the flesh and the spirit. Look, there was a war between a bound Israel and a free Israel. Huh? 
They come out. Moses tells them, come on. He tells Pharaoh, let, my, let God said, let my people go. He leads them out of Egypt. And man, as soon as they get out, the bondage of Israel began to speak. And it began to war, Brother Joe, against the free Israel. And it began to say, just let us go back. You brought us out here to starve in this wilderness. At least there we had three square meals a day. We might have been worked to death. We might have been in bondage, but at least we got to eat. And you brought us out here. The murmuring began to start. The complaining began to start. Man, let me tell you something. If you ain't careful, when you first find your life in Christ, if you don't change the way you think and change your operating system, the murmuring will start. The complaining will begin, and, and, and you'll start to find fault instead of finding good. And the glass will always be half empty instead of being half full. Huh? We got we to change the way we think because we're in a battle. We're, we're in a battle against bondage and free. We're in a battle between, uh, between the flesh and the spirit. We're in a battle between the old man and the new man. Amen. And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter how great you are, you need the church to help win that battle. You need teaching. You need preaching. You need anointed praise and worship. You need brothers and sisters in Christ to lean upon when you get down in your spirit. You need friends of God in your life. You need fellowship with the beloved brethren of God. In your life, you need the church to overcome your flesh. And you're never going to win the battle. Listen, this is the reason why uh, those people that are part-time churchgoers are the first one to tell you, you don't have to go to church to be saved. Huh? No, you don't. But you, 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 you yeah, you do. Let me rephrase. I'm getting on. Yeah, you do. Let's not be politically correct. Let's just be truthful. Let's be honest. You need the church to be saved. You need the church to lean upon. We're our brother's keeper. Come on. We, we are, look, we are the ones that go to battle for each other. Come on. We're not against each other. We're for each other. We're the body of Christ fitly joined together. And we need one another to lean upon one another because we're our brother's keeper. Amen. And if you ain't your brother's keeper, you're not a part of the church. Huh? If you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord said, how can you love me whom you haven't seen? You can't love your brother whom you have seen. Huh? We need the church to win the battle that we're fighting today. And let me tell you something. Nobody under the sound of my voice is not fighting this battle. You're all fighting this battle. We're all warring against the flesh. We all have bondage constantly trying to pull us back. We all have a fleshly man that says, no, let's just come this way. Just come back over here. We, all, we, we need the church to win the battle. We need the church to win this battle. And I, I love how that, uh, that Paul said that God who is rich in mercy has raised us up, what, together. How many ever heard that? old saying that says, a rising tide lifts all boats. How many know the Spirit of the Lord won't just lift just one? But Paul said, Paul said that God who is rich in mercy 
hath raised us up together. You know what that tells me? You ain't ever going to be exalted above the church of the living God. You won't ever live in a place high enough that you don't need the church of the living God. You won't ever be at a place great enough that you don't need the support and the love and the encouragement and the togetherness and the unity of the church, the body of Christ, fitly joined together. Amen. Can the hand say to the foot, I have no need of thee? No, it can't because we need one another. Amen. I need Sister Peggy. Amen. I I need to see her walk into this church carrying that little oxygen tank with her. Because the next time I'm feeling down in my spirit, I say, if Sister Peggy can go to the house of God, feel him the way she feels, who do I think I am that I can stay home and feel sorry for myself? We need the encouragement of the church tonight. Hallelujah. We need one another. Amen. And it's going to take, it's going to take the help, the support of the body of Christ for us to make it to heaven. Ain't nobody in here the Lone Ranger. Come on. (laughs) Ain't no Tonto in your life. Huh? No, you need the church. You need the church. We all need the church. We all need the support of the body of Christ. And let me tell you something. We all need the church to become what we believe. I need the teaching of Brother Joe McKee. I need the preaching of Brother Paul Runyon. I need the devotion of Brother Doug England. I need, I need, I need, I need the church. I need the church. I need the worship that I see on a regular basis in the house of God. I need to see people coming in and falling down for pre-service prayer. I need to know that things have been rebuked and the spirit of the Lord can flow freely in this place. I need the church. I need the church today to win this battle. Amen. And let me tell you something, whether, no matter what your role is in the church, you'll never grow above a need for the church. Paul said, God who is rich in mercy hath raised us up together. Let me tell you something, if you're going to be edified, you're going to be edified in the body. Come on. If you're going to be edified, you're going to be edified in the body. You can't go around the process of the body. Uh Uh-uh. It doesn't work that way. We need the edification that will only come through the body of Christ. Paul said, God hath raised us up together. He's talking about the body of Christ. Our victory comes through the body. Think about that. Our victory comes through the body of Christ. Amen. We, we need victory in our life today. Our breakthrough comes when we deny ourselves and we put the body of Christ first. Huh? Come on. Prefer your brother. Be your brother's keeper. Love one another. Our breakthrough comes when we deny ourselves and we put the body of Christ first. Huh? Look. We, got, we all have to be of a mindset that whatever the church needs, that's what we're willing to be. I've had precious saints of God in this church who didn't want to teach a Sunday school class, but they knew the body of Christ needed a Sunday school teacher. I've had saints of God in this church that didn't want to scrub the toilets, but they knew the church needed somebody to scrub the toilets. 
Come on, I've had saints of God that say, I don't want to get up on that ladder and clean out those gutters and get my hands all nasty, but the church needs a gutter cleaner. And whatever the church needs, if you love the body of Christ, you'll learn to forsake what you want and care about what God wants. Amen. We need the church today. If we're going to become what we believe, we got to be a supporter of the church because you ain't going to heaven without the church. Uh Uh-uh. You ain't going to heaven without being a part of the body of Christ. Amen. He's coming back for a body. He's coming back after a church that has made herself ready. Amen. Without spot and without wrinkle, without working against one another and being jealous of one another and hating one another. He's coming back for a church that loves one another and supports one another. He's coming back for a church that has made herself ready. Amen. Our breakthrough is going to come when we learn to deny ourselves and care about the church, care about the body of Christ, care about what God wants and not about what we want. That's when you're going to get your breakthrough. Listen, that's why the enemy works so hard, Brother Jacob, against the church. That's why he works so hard to turn people one against another. That's why he works so hard to destroy the unity that comes into the body of Christ. That's why he, he, he finds people that he can use as sowers of division. Huh? Why? Because he knows that the only way you'll never grow past the body of Christ. You're never, you're never going to grow past the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ, and we got to learn to forsake our own desires, our own lusts, our own things that we want, and put the work of God first. Amen. Put the work of God first. Amen. And that's why the devil works so hard to create division in the body, because it's through the body of Christ that God's grace is put on display. Huh? He doesn't want, Brother Levi, the grace of God to be displayed. He doesn't want the world to see a loving place. He doesn't want the world to see a caring place. He he doesn't want the world to see drug addicts set free. He doesn't want the world to see prostitutes restored to a normal life. He doesn't want the world to see people uh, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, so he sows division and he sows strife because he knows that the grace of God is displayed through the body of Christ. Church, it's by his grace we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's not by our works. It's not because I preached a dynamic sermon Sunday. No, it's by the grace of God we are saved through faith. It's not because you carried somebody groceries last week. That ain't why you're saved today. You're saved because you believe in God. You put your trust in God. And even when it don't feel good, and even when it ain't popular, and even when your flesh don't want to do it, you praise God anyway. Because by faith we are saved. Amen. By By grace, by God's grace, we are saved. Through what? Through our faith in God. Amen. Through our our faith in God. It's not of ourselves. It's not by our works. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved because our hair is long. We're not saved because our dress is long. 
We're not saved because my head is shaved and my face is shaved. We're saved by the grace of God through our faith in God. Listen, holy living is a result of salvation. It's not the cause of salvation. We live the way we do because he saved us. We live the way we do because we're thankful for what he did for us. We live the way we do because we're thankful for all that God has done for us. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by the grace of God. And the grace of God is on display through the body of Christ. Huh? Through the body of Christ. Amen. You know, in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about how they would carry the oil to the priest. Man, that's what happens when I walk in this place every Sunday and I start looking out over this crowd and I see the grace of God in display in this family and in this family. Man, my mind says, oh man, well, I remember the Lord did that for that family. Man, I remember the Lord did that for that family. The grace of God is on display in the body of Christ. And this is the reason why the enemy wants to drive people out of the house of God. It's the reason why he wants division is because he doesn't want the grace of God, Brother Carl, to be displayed through the body of Christ. We need to see the grace of God in the body of Christ. Amen. Listen, when the Lord saves you, and the Lord saves you, he'll put a love for the body of Christ in you. And if, if you don't have a love for the body of Christ... You're not serving the same God that the Apostle Paul served. You're not serving the same God that the Apostle Paul preached about in the book of Ephesians. Because when God turns your life around, when God redeems you with his precious blood, when he fills you with his holy, when he fills you with the Holy Ghost, when he puts the, the spirit of God living within you, he'll give you love for the body of Christ. He'll give you love for lost people. It won't matter what the color of their skin is. It won't matter how much pedigree they got. It won't matter if they're first generation apostolic or 10th generation apostolic. You'll love God's people. You'll love the people of God because they're a part of the body of Christ. Come on. You'll love them whether they got a hold of standards or not yet. <laughs> Man, some of the most precious people in this church haven't even received the revelation and they don't fully understand what we teach you. But we love them because they're a part of the body of Christ. We're not saved by our works. Come on, our, our, our works are a result of our faith and our result of our salvation today. We love the body of Christ. And when the Lord saves you, when the Lord puts his spirit in you, amen, it'll cause you to love the body of Christ, a love for his kingdom he will put in you, a love for the things of God he will put in you. You will want to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. It won't care if you're getting your name in the light. You won't care if you're getting recognition for what you did. All you'll care about is being a part of the body of Christ and supporting the work of the Lord. When you're saved, when the Lord puts his spirit in you, he'll give you a love for the things of God. You'll want to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. You'll love people that don't look like you, people that didn't grow up like you, people that don't like the things that you like. You'll love them because they're a part of the body of Christ. You'll love them 
Because God saved them just like he saved you. Huh? Look, I'm sure some of these people in this church will tell you they're friends with people in this church they never dreamed that they would be friends with. Huh? Sometimes I hang out with people in this church that have total opposite of likes that I do. But the Lord has put us together. The Lord has fitly joined us together. The Lord has given us a love one for another. The Lord has united us for a common purpose and a common goal. And that's to go out into the highways and the byways and compel people to come in to the house of God and be set free today. Why? Because we're trying to become what we believe. We're trying to become what we believe, and we believe we're a part of the body of Christ. Amen. We got listen. We got we got we got to become what we believe tonight if we want to be a part of the body of Christ. We got to love people. We got to love the church. We got to love the body. Listen, in the temple, there was a there was a wall. I'm talking about after the after the Old Testament tabernacle, and we come into the age of the temple. In the middle of the temple, there was a wall, and, and, and the Apostle Paul refers to it as the middle wall of partition. There was a wall in the middle of the temple that had an inscription upon it that said, if any foreigner, any stranger goes behind this point and behind this place, they will be deserving of the death that will ensue them. Huh? The Bible, when Paul was talking about the Lord tore down the middle wall of partition, he was saying there is no more a foreigner in the body of Christ. There is no more a stranger in the body of Christ. We are all fitly joined together, and none of us deserve this any more than any other one does. We are all the body of Christ, and we got to love one another like the body of Christ. Amen. The Lord has torn down that middle wall of partition. There is no separation in the body of Christ. Come on, we got to love one another. We got to support one another. We got to be there for one another. We got to be mission and purpose minded today. And we got to be willing to put our differences aside, put our differences of opinions aside. We got to come together. We got to build up the body of Christ. We got to build up the kingdom of God. We got to have a love for the kingdom of God if we're going to become what we believe. I got, a, I got a news flash for you today. The body of Christ still has to be fitly framed together. <laughs> I know we're living in a modern time. And I, and I know we're living in a time where there's small groups and people have different interests and people have different things that they like to do. And just because some like to golf and some like to fish and some like to pick flowers... We still, as the body of Christ, have to be fitly joined together. We still, Brother Tom, got to have unity in the Spirit of God. We must have, we must become what we believe today. Listen, I got a, a newsflash for people who think they don't have to go to church today. You can't love the Lord without loving His body. You can't love the Lord without loving his body. I can't love my wife in mind only. I got to love her. I got to love her body. I got to love her flesh. I got to love her being, who she is. Huh? 
You see, these people, oh, I fell in love with them because of their mind. They're thinking, no, you didn't. You fell in love with them because of who they are. Huh? You can't love the, the, you can't love the Lord and reject his body. That's what people are trying to do when they say, I love the Lord, but I don't need to go to church. Yeah, you do. You need to go to church because you can't love the Lord without loving his body. And the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Paul loved the body. The apostle Paul loved the body. He set the example for us to love the body. Paul loved the whole body. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles in a time where it wasn't popular, in a time where they were classified as dogs, in a time where they were the uncircumcised, in a time where they were dirty, Paul became the apostle to the Gentile church. He didn't just love the church, Sister Laney, he loved the whole church. You ever notice that some people just want to love part of the church? You ever notice some people just want to love the part of the church that looks like them? Some people just want to love the part of the church that acts like them. Some people just want to love the part of the church that belongs to their same social status. But Paul set the example, we got to love the whole church, sister Hans. We got to love the whole church. It didn't matter that these folks were considered dogs. Paul became their apostle. Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul loved the body. Paul loved the whole body. Paul even loved the Gentile body. Paul was a Jewish man. He, was, he had pedigree. Huh? How many know in some apostolics' minds they got pedigree? <laughs> you keep your pedigree, and I'll keep the love for the body of Christ. Come on. Keep your pedigree, and I'll keep my love for the body of Christ. Amen. Paul, Paul didn't care about his pedigree. Paul didn't care about the fact that he was a Jewish scholar. He did until the, until the point came where he was struck by a bright light on the road to Damascus. Before that, Paul cared about his pedigree. When the Holy Ghost came upon him and Ananias laid hands on him, come on, and he was blinded and all of a sudden he was in desperation mode and the Lord says, I'm going to send you a man. He's going to lay his hands on you and you're going to receive the Holy Ghost and you're not going to think like you used to think. Up until that point, Paul cared about his pedigree. And let me tell you something, boy, when that Holy Ghost came into his life, that pedigree had to go. Huh? All of that, all of that knowledge, all of that, all that prejudice, all of that lack of love, all of that high-mindedness, all of that thinking you was better than those lowly Gentiles. It had to go. It had to go. Why? Because God put the love of God in Paul's heart for the body of Christ. And he said, you know what? I'm going to take the very one that persecuted the church of the living God. I'm going to take the very one who was a Jewish scholar, who had so much worldly knowledge, who had so much knowledge in the law. I'm going to take the very one, and I'm going to use him. It's kind of the same concept as to why the Lord uses our mouth as a sign that we're filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the dirtiest part of your body. Huh? 
It's the most uncontrollable part of your body. No man can tame it, the Bible says. So the Lord said, I'll tame it. I'll tame it. I'll use that thing which is nasty, which is dirty, which curses, which utters things it shouldn't use, and I'll use it as a sign that I have moved into this house. Praise the Lord. I'll use it as a sign that I have moved into this house. It's the same thing what the Lord did with the Apostle Paul. He took a man who had, who had, who had theology. Huh? He had knowledge. He knew the scriptures, but he thought he was more. He thought he was better. And he said, I'm going to use you as the apostle to the Gentiles. I'm going to use you for the most... I'm going to use you for the thing that you would not have dared to have ever done. And that's to minister to my people that you don't consider to be my people. And the Lord used Paul as the apostle to the Gentile church. In fact, he was imprisoned on behalf of a people that he would have never even spoken to, Sister Donna, before he received the Holy Ghost. Huh? He, he went to prison because he was breaking Jewish customs by evangelizing to a bunch of Gentiles. And you know what? He didn't care. He was willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God because he loved the body that much. My God, we, we, can't, even, we can't even get over the fact that somebody sit in our seat at church. They're in my seat. Deacon, come get them to move. You need the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be nice. We need, we, we, <laughs> we need the Spirit of the Lord to lead us. We need a love for the body of Christ. We need a love for the kingdom of God, for the things of God. Knowing is not enough we got to become what we believe. we got to practice what we preach. we got to put legs on the things that we say and do. we got to become the body of Christ. we got to become what we believe. we got to become what we believe. This is not about lip service. This is not about lip service. I've, I've lived long enough to see people tell people they love them. They didn't mean it at all. I've lived long enough to tell people they like them. They didn't mean it at all because their actions speak something totally different. Let me tell you something. If you open your eyes, you'll see that people tell God they love him, but they don't mean it. If you love me, he said, you'll keep my commandments. Forsake not the assembling of yourself. Ooh, I'm, listen, I bet all y'all be here on Sunday. I bet all y'all be here next Tuesday. Maybe I need to preach this again Sunday so those that are here on Sunday and not Tuesday will be here next Tuesday. Huh? But we got to have a love for the things of God, for the body of Christ. I don't want to not be here to pray with that saint of God that I've been seeking God for when they come up here finally and break at an altar of prayer. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I've, I've lived long enough to see things happen when I wasn't there that I was asking God for. I seen a lady, 
as many people in this church can tell you, we've seen a lady in, church, in our church one time. Man, for years she sought God to bring her son into the church. For years. And one day, when she decided to stay home, the back doors of the church opened. And in walks her son. He stands at the back of our church and he scans the rows of seats. And he combs back and forth and he continues to look back and forth and back and forth until he got all the way to the front of the church and his mother was nowhere to be found. He turned around and he walked out of the church and he never came back. I don't want to miss what God has for me. I don't want to take one service for granted. I, don't, I want to love the kingdom of God enough that I'll put my schisms aside. I want to love the kingdom of God enough I'll put my hurt feelings aside. I want to love the kingdom of God enough that I don't want to miss a single moment in his presence. I love the Lord today, and I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. Church, we got to become what we believe today. We got to become what we believe today. Paul understood these things. He was he was he was in prison on behalf of a people that before he received the Holy Ghost, he never would have even spoken to, brother Jason. He would have never given them the time of day, huh? But he loved them. Why? Because they were a part of the body of Christ. Paul became what he believed by loving. Come on, by loving the sinner. Why? Because he was once a sinner. God help us if we ever forget how he saved us by his grace. God help us if we ever forget what it was like to be lost and without God. God help us if we ever forget what a lonely place it is to be without the hand of God in your life today. And God help us if we ever lose that compassion for sinners today. We must develop a love for the kingdom of God and the things of God. Paul became what he believed by loving the sinner because he said he was chief of the sinners. <laughs> Come on, in 1 Timothy 1 and 15, he said, This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I was chief I, he said, I was the biggest sinner of them all. I persecuted the church of the living God, and I'll never forget what he did for me. I'll never forget what he did for me. So he learned to love the sinner because he was once a sinner. Paul realized that tribulations are for the gospel's sake. That's a hard saying today. That's a hard saying. Tribulations, temptations, can be for the gospel's sake. It's not always about you. Well, it's not always about you. It's not always about me. Sometimes it's just about the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's just about the gospel, Sister Allie. Sometimes it's just about the work of the Lord. Sometimes it's not about us at all. Paul realized... The tribulations are for the gospel's sake. Sometimes, church, what you go through is for your sake. Sometimes what you go through is for another person's sake. And then sometimes what we go through is for the gospel's sake. 
but in all things to God be the glory. To all, in all things to God be our worship and our praise. In all things to God be the glory. Whatever it is we have to go through, whether it's for us, whether it's for the body, or whether it's just for the kingdom, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Everything you go through has a purpose. Everything. Everything you've ever been through has a purpose, and God wants to use it to edify you. To God be the glory. Whatever it may be, whatever it was, to God be the glory. In all things, he's still worthy. In all things, he still deserves the glory, the praise, and the honor. Why? Because those that suffer with him are going to reign with him. And guess what? And vice versa, from that, we can decipher those that don't suffer with him will not reign with him. If those that suffer with him will reign with him, then those that do not will not. Come on. We can, we can figure this out. It ain't hard. If we don't suffer with him, we're not going to reign with him. If we're not buried with him, we're not going to raise with him. Huh? If we're not buried with him, we're not going to raise with him. Come on. Paul said it's a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptation. Jesus came to save sinners. He came to redeem people. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Paul realized that everything we go through is for the gospel. He would have never been able to write all those gospels, Brother Paul, behind uh, those bars, those prison bars, if he didn't realize everything he went through was for the gospel. You know, man, what, what, what an eye-opener that is for us today. Everything we go through is for the gospel. Paul can write letters as he's sitting bound in a prison. We can't even handle a small offense. We can't even handle someone not talking to us. We can't even handle not getting invited to a birthday party. have mercy. That's all it takes to get you out of the house of God. You was never a part of the house of God anyway. Because Paul understood the temptation and persecution and all of these things are for the gospel's sake. I'm not, I'm not okaying these things. I'm not justifying the fact that some people may give you a cold shoulder. God help them. Pray for them. They need the Holy Ghost. If somebody brushes you off, if somebody disrespects you, if somebody says something to you they shouldn't say, pray for them. They need the Holy Ghost. But listen, we can't allow these things to run us out of the body of Christ. It's for the gospel's sake. Huh? We need thick skin. Don't ever fall into a victim's mindset. You ain't no victim. You're an overcomer. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. We can never fall into a victim's mindset. Paul understood tribulations, persecutions. These things are for the gospel's sake. In all things, the Lord was worthy. In all things, he continued to give God praise. He continued to, to minister to the people of God. Come on. Church, the truth is, if we're gonna, we got to suffer with him if we want to reign with him. We've got to be buried with him if we want to raise with him. And to become what you believe is the lock arms with the body of Christ. 
not to isolate yourself from the body of Christ. It's to lock arms with the body of Christ and say, if you're going to come for my brother, you got to go through me. It's to lock arms with the body of Christ and stand strong in the face of hell and say, if you're going to come for my brother, if you're going to come for my sister, you got to go through me because we're in this together. And a rising tide lifts all the boats. And the way the Lord blesses us, he blesses us by the body of Christ. He raises us up together. He raises us up together. we got to become what we believe. If we're going to be the body of Christ, we must believe like the body of Christ. That's why we stand in awe of the plan of God because the church is bigger than BBA Whiteland. The church is bigger than the continental U.S. Huh? The church is bigger than the present or the right now. Huh? We got a future. God has a plan. He's much bigger than this just right here, right now. God has a plan for us. Amen. And it's bigger than right now. We got to become what we believe. We can't just... Believe God for the right here and right now. We've got to trust him for our tomorrow. How many trust God for their tomorrow? If this is helping you tonight, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? We've got to believe God for our tomorrow. We've got to put our tomorrow in his hands. This is more than just right here, right now. We need the Lord in our tomorrow. We need the Lord to protect our children tomorrow. We need the Lord to protect our home tomorrow. This world has lost its mind. This world has lost its mind. We need the protection of God. We need the protection of God. And the church is bigger than right here, right now. The plan of God, the move of God, the kingdom of God is bigger than just right here, right now. We can't just believe God for right here, right now. Church, we're never alone. Turn to your neighbor tonight and say, we're never alone. Not as long as we become what we believe. We'll never be alone. We'll never be alone as long as we become what we believe. Let me tell you something. You've never been in a valley alone. You've never been tempted alone. You never worshiped alone, even. We are compassed about. We are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. Man, what a reassuring thought to know. That everywhere we go, Sister Peggy, the Lord sends a mighty heavenly host with us. <laughs> when you're worshiping God, you got angels right there with you. When you're fighting a battle, when you're fighting hell, you got angels right there with you, Brother Joe. We are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. So let us lay aside every weight, every sin that so easily besets us. Let us lay it aside. And with sure, listen, with sure confidence, we can know that a mighty host is with us. A mighty host, Brother Josh, is with you, sir. When you leave that house every day and you go to work to provide for your family, the Lord and heavenly host goes with you. Huh? We are compassed about. You're never alone. My grandfather used to sing that song all the time when I was a boy. I'll never forget Never alone. And man, when I was studying this week, it was like that hit me like a ton of bricks. It's amazing how something 30, 40 years ago can come back and just, just quicken your mind and say, man, that's what that song meant. We're never alone. 
We are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. Come on, a heavenly host. We're never alone today. We need to run our race with patience. Don't get too caught up in the moment. Don't get too caught up in your frustrations. Remember, take a pause and step back and say, man, I'm trying to become what I believe. I'm trying to practice what I preach. I'm trying to be a faithful steward. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. I can't get caught up in this right now. Huh? We just realize we're never alone. How many people would curse somebody out if they knew God was standing there listening to them? How many people open that page on that pornography website if they knew God was sitting next to them watching what they were doing? How many people would steal something if they knew there was a heavenly host right beside them and the Lord saying, what are you doing right now? We are compassed about. We, we have the angels of God. The, the Bible says he has given his angels charge over thee. Charge over thee. Man, what an assurance to know, Brother Mike, that no matter what we go through, the angels of God are with us. Man, if we could just see things through what the way that God and through the lens that God wants us to see things, man, how much easier would our life be? We could just realize he's always there. You are never alone. Many times you may feel you're alone. Brother Edwin, many times you may feel alone. Many times you may feel nobody understands what you're going through, sir, but it ain't true. The Lord's always there. His angels are always there. He has given his angels charge over you. Huh? They're right there with you. We are covered about with such a great cloud of witnesses. We're never alone. Stand with me as the musicians come quickly. We're never going to experience these things. We're never going to see things the way that God wants us to see things if we don't become what we believe. We read the Bible. We read the Word of God. We listen to the preaching of God. We see the acts of the apostles. We see the great things that the men and the women of God did. We read all of these things, and still we struggle. Still we struggle. Still we can't see things through the eyes of God. Still we can't see things through the lens which God wants us to see things. You're never alone. You're never alone. Sometimes your mind will play tricks on you and teach you and tell you that you're alone, but you're never. Sister, listen, you're never alone. The Lord is always right there. He's given his angels charge over you. Paul said in this third chapter of Ephesians that the Lord would strengthen our inner man. Huh? How many need their inner man strengthened? <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord would strengthen our inner man that Christ would dwell in us. You know what that means? You can't put new wine in an old bottle. To dwell in something is to live in it. 
Can I tell you, the Lord doesn't just want you to have an apostolic or a Pentecostal experience. He wants to live in you. He wants to abide in you. He wants to go everywhere you go. He wants you to know he's, your, he's right there. He's not your co-pilot. He's your pilot. He's right there with you everywhere you go. So many times we get off in our flesh. Let the devil pay tricks on our minds. and We fall into a victim mentality. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be good enough. But he's good enough. And if he's in you, you become good enough. Uh, Who shall ascend to the heel of the Most High? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. That ain't talking about us. That's talking about the Lord in us. If he's in us and we're in him... The Lord will raise us up together as the body of Christ. The Lord will raise us up together. Clean hands, a pure heart, the answer of a good conscience towards God. The Lord is with you. You're never alone, but you got to become what you believe. If you believe Christ lives in you, if you've been filled with the Spirit of God, church, all things are under your feet. All things are under your feet. Nothing. Nothing but nothing has dominion over you but what you give the power to have dominion over you. It's all under your feet. We serve a mighty God who dwells in his people. We are the tabernacle of God. We are. You're the tabernacle of God. You're the place that he dwells. <laughs> you're the place where people see his glory on display. When they see you, they see Him. Or when they see you, they don't see Him. The body of Christ is where the grace of God is placed on display for all the world to see. But that's only going to happen if we become what we believe. I want to close with this verse tonight before we open these altars and we sing this last song. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. It says, for all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him are amen. Unto the glory of God, watch this, by us. Unto the glory of God, by us. You're how the world is going to see the glory and the grace of God. You are the body of Christ. You must become what you believe. You must have the word, the living word of God. It takes the word of God to save you. So unto the glory of God by us, the glory of God is going to be revealed in his body tonight. These altars are open as we sing this song unto the Lord tonight. Would you come if you want to be closer to the Lord? Would you come? If you want to be a good representation of him, he is the, he Jesus was the express image of God. And let me tell you something. Today the body of Christ is the image of God. The world's going to see him when they look at you. All things are under your feet. You're never alone, but you must become what you believe.